Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 6, Branch Wars. In this episode, Stanley is on the come up, Michael, Dwight, and Jim visit Utica, and Jim gets some comeuppance. This episode opens with a cold open that ties into the larger plot of this episode. We see, for the first time in all, this whole season, well, except for briefly at the in the very first episode. No speaking lines or yes, anything. We see Karen, and she has become the regional manager of the branch in Utica. And we see her on the phone, and it is clear from her side of the conversation that she is on the phone with somebody from Scranton and trying to get them to come to Utica. She ends the conversation by saying, we'll talk soon. Then she has a quick one-on-one with the documentary crew telling them that, yeah, she enjoys being the regional manager. It's a pretty easy gig when your boss is not an idiot and your boyfriend's not in love with somebody else. So Karen seems like she's doing pretty well. And speaking of your boss being an idiot, we see Michael trying to put in play one of his dumbest ideas. It's it's clever, but it's extremely dumb. Like it is clever until you think about it for more than about five seconds. He is using, if you think back to season two, the Halloween episode, when he had a second Michael on his shoulder, he has expanded that paper mache Michael into a full body and he is trying to make a dummy a la Ferris Bueller's Day Off in which he can rig up this system that if someone opens his door he'll be asleep at his desk. The dummy will be sleeping because it presses a button and then it's snoring. So then he can play hooky. Stanley is the one that walks in and they want to try it on a try it out on him and Stanley raises the question that Curtis uh, was alluding to here how is it better for you to be sleeping at your desk rather than just not there how is that any better Dwight is helping out with this because who else would be assisting Michael with such a prank And Stanley really takes the wind out of their sails when he says, hey, I'm leaving, I'm going to Utica for more money, and then closes the door. And so as we see in the main part of the episode, Michael, of course, takes this very hard. One of the general themes of this entire show is how Michael views the office as his friends, his family, and somebody choosing to leave or somebody having to leave that group really hurts him because he takes it personal it's it's a personal affront to him yes especially because that group of people that is his family and his friend group he does not have many people besides jan outside of the office and so for stanley going somewhere for more money is this great thing it's just it's just a business career move but for michael it is just a personal wound 
And so Michael addresses the office in a very somber tone and just says, hey, Stanley got this call from the people in Utica. He is leaving us for more money. And everybody's like, hey, all right, good job, Stanley. And Michael's like, no, that's not what we're trying to talk about here. You misread my tone. We're all supposed to be sad. And so we see Michael with Stanley in Michael's office trying to negotiate keeping Stanley there. And Stanley is very, very clear what this is about. He just wants more money. Utica apparently is offering him more money. And based off of this meeting, Michael cannot offer him more money. Which raises the question for me, and we've talked about it a little bit before in past episodes, what is the compensation structure? Yeah, that is weird. Unless like Utica has this larger you know footprint or there's there's a textbook company that is based out of Utica or it's somewhere nearby to where it is a you can grab a larger piece of the pie mm-hmm. I can't yeah I don't see how Karen can be like okay we're gonna give you this unless it's like there is some sort of compensation thing where it's like all right we're gonna give you a higher base salary plus a larger percent commission or whatever. That's what I was thinking. Like they're starting at a higher base than the Scranton branch can offer. And then the, the, um, commission. Then the commission is the same, or like you said, maybe a couple percentage points higher or something. And Utica is very close between Syracuse and Albany. So that would actually be a really good, area to be a paper salesperson because you have several universities and then you have the state government of Albany nearby so maybe that's why they're positioned there perhaps Michael is not willing to take this lying down he calls Karen and says so I hear you're poaching somebody for me and Karen defends herself in saying that Stanley actually came to her Michael first says you can't have stanley but i will give you somebody else one of my best and he offers up toby and the first issue here gets brought up by karen in that toby isn't a salesman and michael's like no he can learn he's very smart and he is great he's a nice guy and michael then stops because that's enough complimenting toby (laughs) for him and He says, I can't do it. Uh, Toby's terrible. (laughs) Toby's the worst. And really, the conversation doesn't go anywhere fruitful for Michael. Karen says, you know what? I'm still offering Stanley the job. That's what it is. Michael says he's going to poach someone from her. And so Pam puts him on the phone with the top salesman from Utica, Benjamin Nugent. The conversation does not go well because Benjamin has heard a lot of interesting things about the Scranton branch. All of them true, none of them that flattering to Michael. He first asks, hey, you're the guy that hit someone with your car. The most recent offense. Michael says yes, but he saved her life, but that's not as grabby now, is it? He loves to point out that had it not been for him, Hitting Meredith, she may have not gotten a rabies vaccination. 
which is probably just an oversight by the local health department. Ben Benjamin asks, when you merged with Stanford, didn't everyone that came from Stanford quit? And Michael's getting really defensive here, and he just responds that, no, I fired him, and you're going to be next. <laughs> then Michael sort of comes to his senses. That's his, his initial reaction is sort of to lash out. And then he's like, oh, nope, it's going to be fine. What do you say? Come on over to Scranton. So not a great sales pitch from Michael. And so Michael is very disturbed about the fact that the Scranton branch has this bad reputation of being kind of a worthless branch and a branch where, you know, the boss hits people with their cars and the boss is just an idiot in general and nobody wants to work there because everybody quits. But not worried enough to do any self-reflection that the commonality of those things presented to him by Benjamin was Michael. Right. Michael has the view in his head that this is the fun branch. This is the branch that everybody likes to work at. He calls the branch Animal House. And that kind of flips a switch for Michael. So Michael rounds up Dwight and they go to Jim and they say, hey, we got a big tip. Staples is dropping their paper provider. We're going to go get them. And so Michael is driving, and they passed the exit for whichever, wherever they would go to go get Staples. And it is at this point that it is revealed that they are not going to Staples, but they are going on a panty raid in Utica. Which is unclear what that means. <laughs> Jim is horrified at this development. Dwight and Michael are really pumped up. They're on the same page here and they're sort of rubbing it in Jim's face that he broke up with Karen. Like in such a weird way, Michael says that Karen's going to wish that you never broke up with her <laughs> as a result of this raid. And they are just sort of on cloud nine thinking they're going to really make a statement in Utica. Jim tries to call probably Pam. He's trying to call someone to get out of the situation. Dwight jumps into his extreme mode and says, no contact with the outside world. Snatches Jim's cell phone and throws it out the window while they're on the interstate. They end up stopping on the side of the road so that Jim can find his phone. And Jim says, I'm just going to call a cab from here and get back to Scranton. You guys go ahead. Michael kind of knows the right buttons to push to entice Jim here. He says, okay, but you're going to miss the biggest prank ever. And that's enough to really get Jim perked up as to what they've got planned, which is kind of a mistake because he knows that Dwight and Michael are not good at pranks. See, but that's not how I read it. No? No. I think he goes along because... He knows Michael and Dwight aren't good at pranks. And it's like, this could be bad. I have to go along so no one gets hurt. To or the supervisor. Yeah, or that this doesn't, you know, come back to really bite us in the end. So I think he is there to, yes, as the supervisor to kind of be like, no, we can't do that. 
Maybe. He is he is along as a chaperone at this point. That's a good point because he says he agreed to go as long as he wears a costume, which is just a warehouse worker's uh, uniform, and and a mustache. The prank is not very well thought out. Basically, they're driving to Utica. Dwight has made like Molotov cocktails, basically that are sitting in the trunk. They've stolen some warehouse uniforms from the warehouse workers at Scranton, and they're gonna go into the Utica branch. There's not much. Yeah, they're gonna planned from there. They have silly strings, so they're probably just gonna make a mess of the office. That's that's about it. Yes. So they get to the Utica branch and they they get parked, and Jim is pretty steadfast in saying he is not going in the building. He is going to stay in the car and hide because. Well, he doesn't really want to see Karen. I can't under I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to see Karen. Some lingering shame, perhaps. Sure. And so he is outside in the car on a walkie-talkie as Dwight and Michael go inside. And it is here that the prank kind of devolves or evolves, depending on how you want to look at it. And it it changes from them just kind of messing up the office to they are going to steal Utica's copier. Michael is providing way too many updates to Jim via the walkie-talkie. He's saying, we're walking up the stairs. I'm having trouble walking up the stairs. We're seeing a security guard. And this is shot really well because we don't see, and this makes sense, the documentary crew was probably not going to go with Dwight and Michael. So we're seeing this purely from Jim's reaction, and it's we're hearing what's happening over the walkie-talkies. Dwight and Michael are not very stealthy here. Once they encounter the security guard, Dwight says, Hello, security guard, we're warehouse workers. Do you need to see any more proof? just not doing a good job and Dwight is weirdly obsessed with if he gets into a jam he is going to do something to someone's eye he has a jumbo piece of chalk that he was going to stab in the eye Jim nicks that so then Dwight said he would just ground it up and just blow it into somebody's eyes and so Michael and Dwight have gotten a hold of the copier and they are trying to wheel it out somehow again we don't we don't see what is going on we are just getting play by play over yeah, the walkie talkie like down the stairwell or yeah something and maybe. it sounds like they end up you know tossing it down some stairs in trying to get it out of the building which obviously wasn't going to work out and it is at this time that karen returns from getting ice cream i guess or coming from but she's eating ice cream with this per with another person like maybe it was like dessert yeah and jim is trying to warn michael and dwight that karen is back and then she is coming back to the office and jim and the camera person hide in the car and the camera person pops up to get a shot of Karen and Karen turns and sees the camera person. So she walks up to the car and it is at this point that the jig is up for everyone. And we see Michael, Dwight and Jim 
in Karen's office. In Karen's office, Dwight is still trying to sort of hang tough. And he's using this weird, I don't know, almost like an accent in an old Western, sort of like a, um, almost like a John Wayne sort of imitation where he says to Karen, if you keep poaching our people, we're going to burn Utica to the ground. That immediately makes Jim and Michael a little uncomfortable. But Michael jumps on and says, if you take Stanley, we will burn Utica to the ground. And really, the interaction there is just a way for Karen to sort of savor the moment a little bit. And she asks Jim to stay behind. Savor the moment is a really good way to put this because she has a one-on-one with the camera in which she kind of lays out her feelings about not just this situation, but how her and Jim's relationship ended overall. I cried for weeks over that guy, so yeah. Seeing him climb out of a PT cruiser in a ladies warehouse uniform felt pretty good. And Karen is absolutely vicious in this interaction. And she opens up with, so you're still doing this stuff, huh? Jim tries to play it off like, oh yeah, I'm trying to quit. And then she really really takes out the skewer here and says, you know, if you had wanted to see me, you could have just called me like an adult. Jim steps in it further, just saying he didn't want to see her, kind of rubbing it in almost how great things are for him. He's like, well, I'm still dating Pam. And, you know, it's going really well. And Karen just shames him out of the office at this point and just like, oh, please tell me how great everything is going with you and Pam. I really want to hear that because of course, who wouldn't want to hear how well things are going between the person that you were in love with and you while you were dating this, the person that is talking here. We have to surmise it's at most, maybe it's been like four months three months it has not been that long we don't get some of the like the time markers like a halloween episode a christmas episode in season four but it's not been very long since jim and karen broke up jim slowly gets up from the couch and he's kind of backing out of the door as karen's really going after him for really being insensitive and says well i I gotta go you know we gotta gotta beat the traffic and Karen's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You got to beat that traffic. And Jim just walks out of the office mid-sentence and is like, see ya, and then walks out. Just pretty embarrassing. And so the three of them return to the office defeated. And Michael goes to Stanley and just kind of gives him the okay to go to Utica and... Michael heads to his office and says to Pam, I need some help making a Watt ad. And so they are in the office constructing this Watt ad when Stanley comes in and says to Michael, I would like to talk to you. And he says that he's going to stay in Scranton. And in a one-on-one, Stanley says that he never really had any intention of going to Utica. He just was trying to get a raise and that Michael called his bluff. But not really. Yeah. So he either got a raise and he's staying in, 
in Scranton or he didn't get a raise and he's staying in Scranton. It's kind of unclear. It's a little bit confusing what he's saying here and how exactly Michael called that bluff. But in the end, Stanley's not going to Utica. And there are a couple instances in this episode. Like this isn't bad Michael at all. This is this is what we have seen from Michael in the previous season and in this season where he's just this big dumb idiot. Yeah. Like he he's just a lovable oaf at this point, which is like I've said, the character he should have been the entire time. Right. But we do there are some instances in this episode of him putting people through things that would make them not want to do nice things for him in the future. Mm-hmm. Like forcing Jim to go see Karen. Like Jim is extremely upset in the car on the way to Utica that this is how things are playing out. Mm-hmm. And then Stanley makes it very, very clear all the time how much he hates Michael and how little he respects Michael. And so I have to imagine that if somebody actually was offering him more money, he would have jumped at that opportunity, no questions asked. Right. Like, I can't imagine, yeah, he'd be moving to a different state. It's not super far away. We don't know how old his daughter is now, but I can't imagine that it would be a very hard decision to be like, yeah, same company, just a different spot and a much better manager. Why not? We do get one other very, very minor subplot in this episode, and that is the introduction of the Finer Things Club. This is a club that Pam, Toby, and Oscar put together where they discuss books, they discuss art, just kind of not paper, and just the, as, as the name says, the finer things of life. So it seems like they do this about once a month, probably at lunchtime, and they bring in dishware and food that matches the book that they're reading, and they sort of dress up as well. Pam makes it very clear that this is an exclusive club. They don't let in other people. Jim is not welcome. And Pam says to him it's because some people think that he dominates the conversation by trying to be funny, which is an accurate assessment. However, when the Finer Things Club is meeting, Andy tries to force his way in. He says that this club is the most exclusive club in the office, so naturally he has to be there. And he views the party planning committee as his backup and Kevin's band as his safety. And part of this is not a very good look on the parts of Toby, Pam, and Oscar because they they hold this meeting like in the break room where the vending machines are and where a microwave is. And so we get a shot of Kevin trying to get something from the vending machine and he's making a lot of noise and his whatever he gets, his bag of chips gets stuck and so he's pushing on it and trying to shake the chips free. And then in the middle of this, Phyllis comes in and is trying to make popcorn in the microwave, but like she's pushing a lot of buttons for just trying to make <laughs> popcorn. Trying, yeah. And everybody at the in the Finer Things Club is very agitated and annoyed by the fact that 
these people are in there interrupting their meeting, essentially, which is going to happen when you have this in the break room of an office. Yeah, particularly since they need to bring so many items, it probably would be better if they did this off work time, you know, at someone's house or something, especially if they're, they seem pretty into it, which is awesome. Like they've all read the book. They're actually having kind of pretty in-depth discussions about it, but probably not the best thing for the office, particularly since Andy is trying to force his way in. And so towards the end of the episode, we see Jim kind of being down about his interaction with Karen in Utica. And Pam tries to cheer him up by inviting him into the Finer Things Club. Much to Andy's chagrin, since he really does want to be a part of it. Yeah. And we see what looks to be the next meeting of the Finer Things Club, where they are talking about Angela's ashes and they are all dressed up in, you know, as what would be mid-century Irish mm-hmm. attire. Mm-hmm. And Jim opens the discussion with an Irish accent and is talking about the book, or just has a vague, has vague talking points about the book. He called it a good read. Right. And Oscar's like, are you done now? Did you get that out of your system? And Jim's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the book. It was very deep. I, I had a lot of fun reading it. And I've never read Angela's Ashes, nor have I, I nor have I seen the movie. But judging from the reactions of the other participants, they're like, it is clearly a very sad, morose book. Yeah. And both Oscar and Toby are like, which part was fun exactly? And Jim's trying to talk his way out of it. Not a great showing for Jim. And Pam just mouths, I'm sorry, to Toby and Oscar. And she should rightfully be embarrassed. Oscar was pretty clear that he did not want Jim joining in the club. And so, as usual, Jim is taking this about as seriously as he takes everything else in life and it's not shocking like Pam he is married to Pam so Pam probably let him know hey you know this is this is something that we enjoy and this is something that we take seriously like I I really hope you read this book right they're not married yet okay yes correct him and be like hey uh you know how I talked to you about this and then you still just kind of blew it off Yeah, he's kind of being a big dick about it because it's exclusive. She got him a way in, if you will, and then he blew it. Right. So, yeah, Jim's going to stay Jim. And we really see that in multiple ways this episode. And that pretty much wraps up what goes on in this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. Not very many, surprisingly. This episode was directed by Joss Whedon. It's his uh, second episode that he's directed. And it was written by Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling was nominated for an NAACP Image Award for writing for this episode. Um, And then, obviously, it's the return of Rashida Jones as Karen. And she will have one more appearance um, on the show, but not until season seven. We also don't get a lot 
from some of our secondary characters. We don't see Angela at all. Maybe in a background shot. I don't think we see Meredith or Creed. So kind of uh, a more insulated episode. Curtis, who do we have getting fired? I think we lose Michael, Dwight, and Jim in this episode for going to Utica and trying to steal the printer. Breaking the printer? Yeah, yeah. Which probably cost tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, and that's coming out of the company. I mean, this is one branch manager trying to sabotage another branch manager in a way and then just doing something crazy and childish on work time. Right. And so it is Michael's fifth firing this season. It's his 31st overall. Michael is five of six for the season, so not great. Right. Uh, It is Dwight's second firing of this season. It's his eighth overall, and it's Jim's second firing of the season. It's his fifth overall. So we lose those three people two episodes in a row. Mm. Daryl Watch continues. Uh, Daryl was not in this episode at all, so he does not get fired in this episode. We also don't see Kelly in this episode, so, you know, maybe something's going on there. (laughs) Do you have a Dundee to give out? My Dundee for the best satisfaction following a painful breakup just goes to Karen. As we heard in the soundbite, this probably gave her a little bit of joy just knowing that maybe she's had some struggles getting over this breakup or didn't at all appreciate being stranded in New York. And so to have this person get a little bit of comeuppance, as we said, in a kind of safe way, you know, this is probably a good good thing for her. And she really enjoys just skewering him in her office. And as we've said before, poor Karen. As we said, all through season three, poor Karen. Great for Jim and Pam that they're together, but it really came at her expense. And she gave a lot to the relationship, it seemed like. So for her to not only get a regional manager position, which probably came with a pay raise, to realize, hey, I can do this job. And then to also be able to watch her ex-boyfriend that pretty much instantly left her from for someone he was already pining for in a really embarrassing position, maybe made her day a little bit better. What's your Dundee? The Meta Award goes to Michael. Uh, this is something that is very clear throughout the entire show, but it is very clear in this episode that Michael views... Dunder Mifflin as a workplace comedy type place and so when Stanley says he's leaving and he puts out a want ad for a new salesperson he says to Pam that he needs a sassy black man and so he's trying to recast Stanley because Stanley provides the essentially the the token black guy of the office. Uh, That is the token black guy of a workplace sitcom. Mm -hmm. So it is a, Michael is trying to cast a new cast member in a show that takes place in an office in a show that takes place in an office. 
Along those lines, Leslie David Baker, the actor that plays Stanley, has been in the news recently. He put together a GoFundMe project seeking $300,000 because he has a lot of these ideas about a spinoff. I don't know if it would be actually on TV or like a web series about Stanley and what Stanley up to in retirement. I guess he got a lot, a lot of hateful racist messages for even putting this out there and promoting it, I think, you know, just on his social media channels. And he's shared some of those where he, I guess, tweeted out or put on Instagram some of the terrible messages that he's received. And some, they don't make sense, but the discussions I've seen uh, sort of discuss his role like in the office yes there are other minorities on this television show but for the most part it is predominantly white and so I just cannot believe how much backlash he has gotten and of course when that happens people donate to quiet the backlash and he got more than the 300,000 that he was seeking to raise um, to start this project and I don't know I have not investigated you know, what this looks like. And The Office used to do, when it was airing, it used to do a series of like shorts and webbies and things like that. Yeah, I could see that being like a quibby type thing where they're just yeah. quick little 15 minute episode things of whatever. Because we know, like looking forward, Stanley does end up retiring, I believe, to Florida. So it, so it would really just be his life in retirement. Who is your employee of the month? I think there's really only one option here, and it's Karen Agreed. for getting the the comeuppance on Jim. And it's really this is a satisfying episode for me because you you definitely see the dichotomy of what is going on here. In that Karen, like you said, in maybe four, five, six months, probably less than a year for sure now has a job as a regional manager of a branch and Jim is still playing pranks on people. And so, yeah, like, like you said earlier, this probably felt really, really good for Karen. Yeah, I have the exact same thing. So that will do it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all your latest updates. And please continue listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, comment, and like wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.